So today, we are starting a brand new series. We're going to take a look at some of the things in our lives that keep us from connection and some of the things that maybe are in the world that keep us from connection. So Charles is going to kick it off. So let's welcome, for the very first time, 2018, Charles Park. Everyone uh, had a good uh, holidays? Yeah? How are you doing through this cold? My goodness. I have, you know, Hudson River is partially frozen. I have never seen that in 14 years of being here. It's such a big river with like sea salt in there, but it is cold. So I am just so impressed. You guys are a hearty bunch to get out, to be here and celebrate the new year together with the church community. We're going to have a good time today. It's great. So if you're like me, when the year turns over, it kind of puts you in a frame of mind to think about the year ahead. I mean, that's why people do things like New Year's resolutions, right? They, you start, this is this time when you, when you think about, hey, what do I want my year to look like? Right? What do I want? What kind of person do I want to be? What kind of life do I want to live? You know, that's when you go, okay, I'm going to exercise three hours a day because I want to look like this person. And then, you know, all those resolutions fall apart, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Nevertheless, this is the time to think about where am I headed? What do I want my life to look like? What kind of person do I want to be? So, as a church, we want to do that as well. Where are we headed as a church community? What do I see? What do we see God leading you know, us towards? What's the big picture? What is God doing with humanity? And how can we align ourselves with God's work? And what kind of soul do I want to develop? It's that kind of season, isn't it? And so, I want to begin today with hopefully a brief recap of what we've been saying about God for the last several years. So that we can all be on the same page. To have the same, you know, have the same understanding of the context in which we are thinking about the future. And then I want to talk about what does that all mean for us specifically and personally as we live lives in New York City in 21st century. What is God calling us to do in different specific areas of our lives? Sounds good? Okay. So recap. We've been saying for a while now, That God is at work bringing down walls and divisions and alienations in this world. In the book of Ephesians, Apostle Paul talks about, this is a book in the Bible, he talks about this big plan of God. You know, what what God is doing with humanity and where God is moving this entire history towards. He says, God revealed his secret plan 
and made it known to me. In past times, human beings were not told this secret, but God has revealed it now by the Spirit. So he says there is this hidden, long-held plan of God that God has been holding on for all this time. He said this is a plan for all humanity, for the whole universe, he said. And he has kept it hidden because it was not time yet. Uh, Christ had to come. Now this is a plan revealed in Christ. And he says now it's been revealed to him. Doesn't that kind of make you curious? Like it's like, what are you talking about? What is this long held secret plan that God hasn't revealed to anyone up to this time? But now Paul is going to tell us. And so the book of Ephesians is about that plan of God moved through history. And Paul talks about how God is breaking down walls. Even the wall between believing community of faith and the secular unbelieving Gentiles. So this was a shocking revelation to his audience the people of faith, because he's saying just crazy stuff. And even the division between believers and non-believers, it's coming down, he says. He says Jesus came to break down walls of divisions, walls of hostility that exist between people groups. And included in that, even the wall between believers and non-believing Gentiles. Very, very shocking Revelation, because it's just unexpected. All over the world, just people built walls and divided into little groups and you know, categorized people and give worth and respect to different groupings of people. Greeks, Chinese, everybody did it. And, and, and no exception is to people of faith in the Old Covenant. I mean, just look at the layout of the Holy Temple. I've shown this before, but let's just go through it again because it's such a visual example of what we do. So most holy, this is the place where God dwells. This is the top place, the most worthy, most respected, valuable. And then next to it, it's the holy place. That's a place where only the chief priest could go in once a year. It's such a holy place. So that's like the, the next best place you can be. And then come the court of priests. They are the next holiest, you know, most valuable people. And then come the believers, the court of Israel. This is the, the court of, you know, this is like saying the court of Christians, you know. But this is the interesting part. Only men are included in that category of the court of Israel. Where are the women? The women who believe they are the next level down. Do you see that? Can you believe that? I mean, how would you feel today if we said, oh, here is the court of Christians. Here is the place, the church. This is the place of church. But only men 
belong to that label, church. Women, you have to go to the floor below. <laughs> You're down there. The women are not included in the label Christian. Not worthy enough. How would you feel? What, what, do you, what would you say to that? Especially the, women, the ladies in the room. How do you feel about that? There's a lot of thumbs. Nobody's going, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. No. Things have changed. You see that? We are shocked by this. But this was just a reality. This was how people lived. This was how people just assumed the natural order of things. Remember, this is the holy temple of God. And this is how they organized themselves. So this is how they thought God's reality ordered itself. See that? And then you have the court of Gentiles. Gentiles, that they stand for non-believing people. So non-Christians in today's terms. It's interesting that back in those days, they had a place for that in the church, in the holy temple. But of course, they are at the outermost edge because they are like, you know, they're not worthy. They're not Christians. So there's a little room over there, you know, maybe three floors down or something where the speakers are, you know. But you don't, they don't belong here. So you see how all these walls, divisions, you know, rankings, hierarchy, and Judeo-Christian tradition is rooted in this mentality, you know. And so it has influenced the American culture, influences us. So we think about this. But I just have to tell you, this wasn't just in Judeo-Christian. This was all over the world. In fact, it was even worse in other parts of the world. I come from Confucius-influenced, Confucian-based Asian culture. And in those countries... These rankings and hierarchies and, and the place of women in society, I would say was even worse, even more restrictive, more degrading. The women, for example, were told from the moment they are born that they are to follow and obey and submit to their fathers when they are young. And when they grow older and they get married, they are to follow and obey and submit to their husbands in all things. That's already kind of problematic probably for ladies in this room who are more woke. <laughs> but, uh, you know. But here comes the, wor- here comes the shocking part. When the women grow old, you are to follow and submit to obey in all things their sons. What? <laughs> because men always come first. When you are young women, you are to walk three steps behind your fathers. When you are older and you get married, you are to walk three steps behind your husbands. All times. When you are older, you are to walk three steps behind your sons. 
In this Confucian culture, age counts for so much, but women doesn't count. Even if you're old, you don't get any seniority. You walk behind your sons. Do you see that? And the remnants of this mentality is causing grave harm even today. They talk about how in China, the male-female ratio is so skewed, they must have hundreds of millions of female fetuses must have been aborted to get this ratio over there because women are just not valued. You know, it's all over the world. Middle Eastern, Arabic world, the way they treat women over there, it's not very nice. <laughs> you know, Saudi Arabia, they're celebrating because women have just been given the right to drive. Hallelujah. Okay, you got some ways to go here. You know, we Hispanic macho culture. You know, we, we look at America and we look at things like the Me Too movement that's happening and I'm so happy for this. And we look at this and we go, on one level, it's great news. All these men are falling. On the other hand, you kind of think, holy moly, what's going on? (laughs) Right? I mean, SNL had this joke, right? That turns out that every man that you have ever heard of, who's famous enough or powerful enough that you have heard of, they turn out to be a predator. But if you're powerful, if you are like, you can do anything to women. I mean, we elected the guy, the, Mr. Trump, into presidency, who actually stated that you can do anything to women if you have power, right? I mean, we all live in this culture, and some of us, we look at this and we go, what's wrong with America? Yes, what's wrong with America? But let's not for one moment imagine it's better somewhere else. Okay? That's just a naive view. Things are even worse in so many parts of the world. You know, this is just human nature. This is human condition that's been around for ages. From the very beginning of humanity, in in Genesis 3, the Bible tells us how we built walls. That that's, you know, in Genesis 3 describes the moment that hell began to be felt on earth. Before this, things were Great. We were just doing very well. But what happens when we fall and eat from the tree of judgment? The Bible describes that moment. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. This is, this is describing this this alienation from the self when we built a wall within us that it was no longer okay for us to look at ourselves fully and feel good anymore. So we have to cover up. There is a mask on. There is a wall that came on. And to this day, we are living this way. All of us feel deep down, fundamental place, we feel shame at the deepest place in our soul. And if we don't, that's just another form of building up a a, a fig leaf to cover up so that we don't have to feel that. And that causes even more issues in terms of alienation. End up becoming psychopathic, you know, with that. 
But that's an alienation from the self. And then we hide from God. They are hid from the Lord. From the reality beyond the veil. You know, we, we have this sense. You know, the reality isn't restricted to just what we, our senses can tell us exists. There is a deeper reality. Our souls have this instinctive feel that there is more going on beyond the veil. And that's why so many of us feel this sense of exile. We feel this, we are strangers in a strange land. We are separated from our true home. That's why there's always this thirst and longing in the soul that nothing ever makes us truly, perfectly happy. Maybe for a moment we sense that high happiness, but then it never lasts. And there's always this sense that something is not right. And we can never get to that place of perfect Happiness. We are exiled. We are alienated from our true home. It's very sad in that sense. But that is reality. This wall came in. And then we are so good at building walls between ourselves by building, by dividing into groups. And, you know, and, and it goes back to the first days. Adam says, the woman you put here with me she caused all the problems. Blame her, you know. Boy, this is old, isn't it? Blaming the women, <laughs> putting them down to their place. You are the one to blame. Go down below, you know. This goes, I mean, this is an old trick, guys. So no wonder this is in the air and the women have been treated horribly for ages and ages. It's always been their misogyny. Men, let's not do this. Okay? Agreed? This is not good. It's not good for not just the women, it's not good for the men to live with that kind of wall. God said, on the day that this happens, you will die, warning us. Well, they didn't just fall over and die physically, but death came in this day. When walls went up, death came in. Before, they were shining with fullness of life. Life in all its fullness was there in humanity. But now... We are shell of our former selves. Death came in and robbed that life and all its fullness from us. And we are not fully alive anymore because of these walls. So conversely, when walls go down, life flows in. Amen, Amen yeah? And Jesus died on the cross to bring the walls down. That's what the cross did. It's what Paul is so excited about. The walls went down, life flows in. The Bible tells us the moment that he died on the cross, 
At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Hallelujah. Let's see that temple layout. Now with the curtain is torn. And the Spirit of God broke out through all these divisions and walls that we have created for ourselves. All those walls we built up, it's torn up. And the Spirit of God is everywhere now. It's gone everywhere. No more these divisions where you can, you got to work yourselves up. Except if you're women, I don't know how you would work yourself up. You're just stuck down below. No. Yeah, it's the Spirit has gone out and everyone has access to the Spirit of God. Our worth and our value is in the cross, in Jesus. We are all one and equal before the eyes of God. Isn't that great? This is God's work. This is what He's been working on. From Christ, what Paul is so excited about. This is God's movement through history. God's on the march. This is the gospel on the march. This is the good news. God is winning. This is what's happening. Galatians 3.28 says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. These are three big walls, don't you think? Race, belief, Economic status, slavery was huge for most of human history. Gender. No more gender in Christ Jesus. No more gender equality. We are all one in Christ. Theologian Dan Fuller said this is a prophetic declaration of what God is unfolding in order in human history. First Jew Gentile. Then slavery. 200 years ago, we had a war over that. <laughs> but today, nobody argues for slavery, right? So much of church people argued for slavery. If you look at history without blinders on. But that's done. No more of that. You know? Now, male and female, last 100 years, the women's rights have been on the march. hundred years ago, guys, women didn't have right to vote. Didn't have right to property. Can you imagine living like that? I mean, what would, were people thinking that the women were not human beings fully? That that's how people thought. So it's only been hundred years, guys. <laughs> but God is on the march. We've come a long way. Oh, I'm so happy for that. Yes? This is a good thing. All, this is God's work. It's ju- not just the free, rich, believing male who are worthy to stand before God. We all have access to God. No matter who we are, what we look like, what we believe, God's Spirit is now everywhere. We can access Him. This is what Jesus stands for. This is what it means to be a Christian To stand for this, this is what it means to pray in Jesus' name to be part of this movement of bringing down walls that Jesus began with the cross. Amen. Amen. So that's the recap of what we've been saying for a while now. You know, big picture look at what God is doing 
his hand at work. So for the next 12 weeks, we want to kind of turn towards more specific, personal ways that walls exist in our own lives and how that harms us and how that influences and, and robs life from our lives and what is God calling us living in New York City in 21st century. What are we to do? In light of all this that's been said, what is righteousness? What is sin? What is Christian discipleship? What are we to do personally in all these different areas of our lives? That's what we want to turn towards. So, we are calling this sermon series When Walls Come Down next six weeks. We want to talk about some specific ways this happens. So, for example, sometimes people disappoint us. Yes? We get disappointed by people who should know better behave badly. Sometimes in small ways, sometimes in pretty big ways. And when those things happen, when we get betrayed, we feel like we're stabbed, walls go up in our hearts. And some of that is necessary. You know, I'm not talking about the, you know, there are ways in which we need to protect ourselves from bad behavior. We need to do that. And those things actually help us to connect, to be able to distance, put some distance, be able to protect ourselves. We need to do that. But there are ways in which we put up walls that only serves to shrink our own lives. Some bitterness sets in, and we generalize, not just to the person who's behaving badly, but to a whole class of people. And, and, and you know, we, we can generalize things, you know? And then we can shut ourselves off from people and things that can give us lives, give us life. Don't you agree? Can you relate? Things like that happen. But it's so hard to break free of that because we are hurt. What are we to do with this? What can, how can God help us? How can the Spirit of God move us towards more life-giving place? So that's one week we want to talk about and other ways in which walls go up. Then on February 18th, we begin our Lenten season. Mark your calendar, guys. February 18th is when we start our Lenten season that leads to Easter. This is our most exciting season as a church probably. Don't you think? 40 days of faith. We use that six weeks leading to Easter as a faith experiment to push into the living God. To see if we can push through that veil that has now separated us from the bigger reality that's out there. Can we experience something of the living God miraculously? Not just circumstantially, but more importantly, in our character, in our souls, to become the kind of person who can live without walls so that life in all its fullness can live in us. Because death lives in those walls. So that's going to be the focus for this year. How 
can we come alive? How can these walls come down? Can God supernaturally move in our lives some ways to make this happen so that we can become the human beings we are meant to be? We're calling this series Becoming Human. Becoming Human. Because with these walls, we become less than human. We become more like animals with these walls. We end up behaving badly. These walls give us justifications to act with coarseness in our souls. Becoming human. All that starts on February 18th. There is God's, with Christ, God is at work bringing a new type of human beings that's not connected to Adam who has all these walls in him. Adam means man or mankind. You know, we are now connected to a different type. And the Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation is come. The old is gone, the new has come. This is referring to God's work in crafting and creating a new type of human beings. We are called to be new types of human beings who can live without any walls, who has come alive. And Jesus lays out what that looks like and how we can get there in specific terms in the most famous sermon he gave called Sermon on the Mount. Have you guys heard of this? Sermon on the Mount? Found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It is considered the definitive sermon by Jesus. It encapsulates and summarizes pretty much all his teachings. And it's a powerful sermon that describes a human being that hasn't been seen before. It's a new creation. He calls, he calls Christians or people who are following him, to live without any walls. No ethical or religious system has called for such a radical behavior like doing good to your enemies. Not just to people who look like you, who think like you, who are your tribe, who are your neighbors, who benefit you. No, do good and live without walls, with people who think different from you, who don't like you, who are your enemies, even them, be good to them. He says, for God is like that. He says, if you can live like that, you will be like God. He calls it perfection. Culmination of a new human being to live without that, those kinds of walls. For God is good to both his friends and his enemies. He sends good things to both good and the evil, he says. No walls. And, and, and he goes on to describe a person who is living without any spin, any judgment, any ego, any factions, any quit in them. And it is a, a glorious person who lives without any walls in their life. And it's just going to be so great to go into this for six weeks. Look at these six different topics. 
like spin, my gosh, we live in a world of spin, you know. And we are so divided today. And to look at this and have a Bible guide for each week and really dig deep into what God is calling us to be and look like. For if we are signing on to follow Christ, we are signing on to become a new creation, new type of human being. And that's going to be just so fun. I can't hardly wait. It's going to be so good, so exciting. So this is a look ahead to the next couple months at the river, uh, actually several months at the river, where we are heading. Big picture view of the first half of the year. Kicking off 2018 at the river. January, you know, next six weeks when walls come down. 40 days of faith, starting our Lent, becoming human. Leading to Easter celebration. That's a pretty big day for us Christians, yeah? We're going to celebrate Christ rising giving us all this. And throughout all this, from now, actually, this coming week, our campaign begins. We've been talking about this for a while, Tom Layden, and, and, and it just feels miraculous. He's built a team together to just... He lives in Colorado, but he loves our church so much that he's built up a team. He's a high-level ad executive, and he's going to like help us get the word out. Guys... This is a a beautiful church community. I love this community. Church can be a redemptive, beautiful place. I mean, look around you. And there are all kinds of colors in this place, don't you think? It's not just white people. It's not just black people or Asian people or Hispanic people. It's all kinds of colors here. I love that. That's an indication that walls are coming down here. You know? And that's rare. Churches are not usually like this. Martin Luther King, his day is coming up next week. He said, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, church hour, is the most segregated hour in America. Isn't that so sad? In light of what we've been talking about, how God's move is to bring walls down, how, how is it possible that church is the driving force of segregation, stuck in that old covenant mentality of building walls and sliding people, you Gentiles stay over there, you women, you know, should know your place. It feels like church today is a force for walls and divisions more than bringing it down, doesn't it? It feels like a force for patriarchy more, doesn't it? It's a huge indication that church is not lined up with the purposes of God who is moving through this world through human history. But if church will not cooperate with God, God is not deterred by that. God is bigger than church. So much bigger. His spirit has broken out. If church will not work with God, then he will go to the secular world. I praise God for that. Amen. <laughs> Don't you think secular world in many ways is more advanced and advancing God's agenda in all of this than church world is doing? 
Isn't that true? But that has always been the case, actually. The first martyr in Christian history, Stephen Martyr, in Acts, talks to people of faith and says, we people of faith, we just tend to be so stiff-necked. We always, he says, we always resist the work of the Holy Spirit. Because we are stuck in what the prophets have said thousands of years ago. We build tombs of prophets and monumentalize them. And we get stuck. And we don't see the work of the Holy Spirit moving right in front of us. That's how it is. So it's no surprise. This is how it is. But we as a church, we want to line up with what God is doing. Correct? Don't you? We want walls to come down and life to flow in. This is the biggest theme in, in the Bible and what God is doing. And so let's be this church together. Every tribe, every tongue coming together. Worshipping God. Where else can you find a place, a community, where people of different class, gender, different thoughts, different beliefs, are called to come and call each other brothers and sisters. We are not in a transactional relationship here. Where else can you find that in this world? This is salt and light. This is what's going to change the world As the walls come down, we represent the Spirit of God breaking down walls. So let's build that together. Bring people. Here are some things you can do. Invite your friends and family. They need this. (laughs) Don't you think? They need this gospel. They need the good news. They need God, the reality beyond the veil, to come change from inside out. So as we... As we give you these clips that's coming out, it's going to come out soon. As these things come out, share them. Talk about them with your friends and family. Talk about the gospel, the good news. You don't have to use Christian lingo. You know, talk about the walls coming down, life flowing in. Talk about things that every human being can relate to and should want and thirst for. Talk in those terms, for Christ is for everyone. Bring them here. Let's build this up. Let's change this city with this message. And, and if, if this thing kind of is your cup of tea and you haven't taken 201 pathway to partnership, this is our River Partners class. We talk about, for five weeks, we talk about what we, so what we believe in, what we're going to do. It's a great class. I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to say it's a great class. <laughs> I'm going to be the main teacher But all the pastors will be there. We will teach together. It's a great way to learn and be part of this church building together. So if you haven't taken it, please consider taking it. Start January 16th, Tuesdays, five evenings. We'll even give you food, right? We're going to, you know, it's going to be good times. It's going to happen right down here. If you're interested, write your interest on connection card, drop it off in the offering box, and we'll get you the details. And I'm going to even say that if you have taken it, but you've taken 201 some years ago, guys, our content has gotten better. (laughs) 
much more sharp. It's better. It's five weeks rather than eight weeks now. It's focused. It's good stuff. So consider taking it again if you want to. And um, actively participate in 40 days of faith because we need God's help with all this. We need the living God coming through. Let's do that. Let's do this. St. Irenaeus said, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. Isn't that a great saying? As we come alive, we will reflect the glory of God. There will be light shining from inside of us. There will be righteousness that's so attractive inside of us that brings life, that speaks of life. It will speak and spread the glory of God. Let's be part of that. That's what I want for this year and the rest of our lives. You guys in? Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, come and be with us even now. Jesus, thank you for how you have died died on the cross to usher in new creation, new human beings, new order of things. Help us, God, to line up with what you are doing instead of being stuck in old ways of thinking. Help us to move forward to connect with your living work today in our lives and in this city and in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.